0: This is the Howie Silbiger show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1877-669-1292. I'm Howie Silberger, talking to you live from the former Parliamentary Democracy of Canada. We are quickly losing our democracy in Canada. It is going away quicker than we could blink. First, you have Quebec. Just past week, passing Bill 96, which once again limits French people from learning in English... Limits foreigners from coming to Quebec and, and, and settling there. Limits English even more in the province of Quebec. And the law was passed uh, by, by the Quebec uh, National Assembly, as they like to call it. It was passed using the Notwithstanding Clause. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Notwithstanding Clause is, it's an override for the Constitution. It overrides the Constitution and, and the Bill of Rights, the Canadian Bill of Rights, the Charter of Rights and Freedom, the Canadian Charter and the Quebec Charter are overridden by the notwithstanding clause, which means that a province could pass legislation which limits the freedoms and the rights of individuals and not get challenged in court because they have an override power on the Charter of Rights and Freedom. So if you could imagine that you have the right to do whatever you want, you know the laws are there, but there's an override saying that although you have the right to do it, we could still tell you you can't. That, that leans more towards dictatorship than it does towards, uh, towards, towards freedom, towards, towards a democratic country. We like to talk about Western democracy, Western freedoms, but slowly and, and surely, Canada is losing their freedoms. Canadians are losing their freedoms. We're, we're slowly slipping into a dictatorship in Canada, and it is very, very scary when you come to think of it. Today, in a obvious virtue-signaling event, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced that the Liberal government is introducing legislation to implement the national freeze on handgun ownership throughout the country. Now, why now? Well, there was a murder. There was a mass murder, a, a mass murder using a gun in an elementary school in Texas last week. So why not play on the, on the public grief of the loss of so many different children, so many children in, in Texas and, and ram through legislation which will further limit the freedoms of Canadians? What this means is the quote, what this means is that there will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada, Trudeau says Trudeau says in a press conference. Boy, do I feel safer now. You have no idea how safe I feel that that Canada is going to ban handgun ownership. I can't even think of the last time I saw a handgun in Canada. I can't even think of the last time a handgun was used in any major mass murder in Canada. Maybe, maybe, a, well, a handgun and a rifle were used in Nova Scotia last month, but, but it was more the rifle than a handgun. And the last time I could think that a handgun or a rifle or a, or a or a semi-automatic gun was used for a mass murder in Canada would be maybe 20 years ago in Montreal at the Polytechnique. Uh, a school where, where a bunch of women were shot. It was more than 20 years ago where a bunch of women were shot uh, using a handgun and a um, and a rifle. But, but it's really not a prevalent problem in Canada. But, yep, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is jumping to the rescue of Canadians yet again, saving us from a massacre that happened in the States by introducing legislation to implement national freeze on handgun ownership throughout the country. So here, here's the quote, and this is the most ironic quote that you're going to hear about this whole topic. Because in this quote, the prime minister actually admits that this is not a problem in Canada. Open quote. The prime minister is speaking now. Open quote. We recognize that the vast majority of gun owners use them safely and in accordance with the law. But other than using firearms for sports shooting and hunting, there is no reason that anyone in Canada should need guns in their everyday lives. Close quote. Now, let me repeat that so that you, you hear it clearly. We recognize that the vast majority of gun owners use them safely and in accordance with the law. So if, if that's the case that the vast majority of gun owners use them safely and in accordance with the law, which is exactly what the Prime Minister said, why do we need legislation? Apparently the current legislation is working. The vast majority of gun owners use them safely and in accordance with the law. We could say the same thing about the vast majority of car drivers. The vast majority of car drivers use their cars safely and in accordance with the law. Now there's always a certain percentage of people who use any product that will use them uh, carelessly, or we'll use them uh, nefariously. But do we have to slam a law on the entire country because you have a certain percentage that aren't using things properly? Don't you think this is a little bit of overkill? Uh, I I tend to think it's overkill. This is government overreach <laughs> to the highest extent. Now, Canadian Minister of Public Safety, Marco Medicinio, Mendic- also said that a mandatory buyback program for assault-style weapons will go into effect later this year if the bill passes, calling it Canada's most significant action on gun violence in a generation. So, Mendesino is saying that, you know, we don't care that you bought your assault-style, whatever assault-style weapons means. It's a media-created term, by the way. Assault weapons is a media-created term. There's no such thing as an assault weapon. If you're talking about a semi-automatic rifle, Let's talk about semi-automatic rifles. If you're talking about a fully automatic rifle, let's talk about fully automatic rifles. Those are already not legal. Semi-automatic are legal. Uh, fully autom- automatics are not legal. So, so what guns are you talking about? Assault-style weapons could be anything. A knife could be an assault-style weapon. I can assault you with a knife. I could stab you. I could attack you. I, 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 could, I, could, I could slash you. A knife is an assault-style weapon. So so if we're talking about assault-style weapons, what is this? a hammer could be an assault-style weapon. A chair, anything I can assault you with is an assault-style weapon. I could take a handbag and hit you with a handbag, and that's an assault-style weapon. A salami? All these are assault-style weapons. If I'm using them to assault you, that is an assault-style weapon. So I don't understand the, the, the idea, the, the terminology of assault-style weapons. So he continued... The first AR-15s, oh, is that what we are talking about, AR-15s? And other assault-style firearms will start to be bought back by the end of the year, Medicino said. It's going to be hard, but we're going to get it done. How much money do you think it's going to cost Canadian taxpayers to buy back weapons, rifles, from the general public? How much do you think it's going to cost? Well, let's take a look. About 55,000 new handguns have been registered annually in Canada per year over the last decade, Medicino said. So so talking about a lot, a lot of guns and a lot, a lot of money that we're going to have to spend to buy these guns back. Now, the only good part of this this legislation, and, and every legislation, they always hide the good parts at the bottom, but the only good part of this legislation is that it will create a new red flag law that will allow courts to remove guns and suspend licenses for people who pose a threat to themselves or others. Magazines that hold more than 5 rounds will also be banned under the new law. Now, the news article that I'm uh, that I'm taking this from <laughs> continues with In August 2020, a gunman used both rifles and a handgun to kill 22 people around Nova Scotia. And what was Canada's deadliest mass shooting in history. The deadliest mass shooting before this one was the École Polytechnique massacre that happened in the late 80s in Quebec. So we're not talking about a huge gun problem in Canada where where national legislation has to take precedence and has to be prioritized. The only reason the Canadian Prime Minister is prioritizing this national gun uh, law is to pander favor amongst the left wing. He he feels that he's losing a little bit of uh, support in this country. And why wouldn't he after his draconian handling of the truckers anti-COVID protest where he literally stole people's livelihoods, killed their pets and put them in jail for protesting his government. So showing that he was a dictator back then means that he could use he could step on the backs of the dead children of Texas and use their deaths to forward his progressive, or what he considers progressive, agenda. It's once again sickening. When you think about a government that, that's, that's going to exploit the death of children to push forward a, an agenda, it, it's actually sickening. It makes me sick. I, I don't know if it makes you sick. It makes me sick to think that a government could do that, could exploit the death of children. But here we are. The Canadian government's becoming a dictatorship. And people in Canada are not yet, uh, you know. It happens. It happens slowly, and as our rights get pulled away slowly, 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 and as we give up some rights in for protection and for uh, for safety, and as our rights get pulled away, we don't even realize how much we are slipping into a dictatorship until we're actually there. And then once you're there. It is virtually impossible to get out of it. Now, don't be surprised. I don't, I don't think you should be surprised because I'm not. I am actually not surprised by this at all. Why, Howie, would you say you are not surprised by this? Well, quite simply because Trudeau, because Trudeau was actually very, very honest. He has been honest the entire time. And because we don't understand honesty and we don't accept honesty, we don't listen to it. And because we don't listen to it, we are always surprised when it actually happens. Trudeau, Trudeau's been extremely honest. Look, look Obama was extremely honest when he, when he became president. If you listen to his speech in Cairo, the first speech he gave as president, uh, the first foreign speech he gave as president... In Cairo, you'll you'll hear you'll hear him very clearly lay out his entire his entire platform. But nobody believed him, and that's really the problem. That's really where uh, where the problem lies. That we have to start believing our politicians when they say things. We have to start believing them. Because if we don't believe them, we are we we're, we're in big trouble. We're in huge trouble if we stop believing our politicians. I I'm not I'm not one to uh, to put faith to put much faith into politicians. I'm not one to start thinking that politicians are uh, are virtuous and that we must uh, we must always listen to what they say and always believe everything they say, because it's not true. So I'm not the kind of guy who's going to tell you that. What I am going to tell you is that we have to pay attention to them. Trudeau was honest. Now, I don't know how how well this video is going to show. I'm going to show you a video and listen to his words. I mean, if you can't see the video or the video doesn't show up very well, listen to his words. Listen to what Trudeau is saying. This, he was telling the World Economic Forum right at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. There you go. It's it's clear as day. Trudeau is saying, right there, that you're going to use the pandemic, you're going to use the death of, of of millions of people, you're going to use the sickness that is spreading. For the Great World Reset. Now, now we like to think that when people talk about resets, they should be wearing tinfoil hats. But there is the Prime Minister of Canada telling you that he, he wants to reset the world, and reset the world economically, reset the world socially, reset the world morally to fit his vision of the world, to fit the socialist vision of the world. And he's doing it Slowly. And the more times we give up our rights and the more times we allow the government to get, to take our rights away. Our right to protest. You can't protest the Trudeau government. We saw what happens when you protest the Trudeau government. Trucks pull up into Ottawa. They do a peaceful protest. The government sends their dogs in to go and arrest the people. Confiscate their trucks. Kill their pets. And... The rest of the country says nothing. No mass protests. No throwing this government out of office. You can't speak out against the government and and without the government coming after you. Freezing your bank accounts. They have the right to freeze your bank accounts if you speak out against them. They have the right to confiscate your business if you speak out against the government. There's only a few countries in the world and none of them are democracies. Where the government doesn't allow protests, the government doesn't allow dissent. And Canada is one of them. The second you can't dissent against your government, the second you can't speak badly against your government, the second you can't criticize your government without getting slapped back by some, some, some law enforcement agency, you are living in a dictatorship. If you don't like your government's policies, you should have the right to stand up and protest them. If the government sends their cops in to arrest you for protesting peacefully, then you are no longer living in a you are no longer living in a democracy. 1-877-669-1292 is the number to call. 1-877-669-1292. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to call in one 669 1292 And now a new gun law. The gun law that's, uh, that's, that's going to rip the guns out of the hands of gun owners in Canada, even though the majority of them, as the Prime Minister readily admits, the majority of them use them peacefully, lawfully, and, and without, without any incident. Imagine, just, just think about this for a second. Imagine the government decides that you can't drive cars anymore. Cars are dangerous. There are more people killed in Canada by cars than killed by guns every year. Probably 10 times, 20 times, 100 times the amount of people. I don't know, I don't have the statistic, but I'm, I'm willing to bet it's within the 10s, 20s, or 100 times um, uh, the amount of people are killed by cars and vehicles than are by guns especially assault-style weapons, whatever those are. So imagine the government decides one day that cars are dangerous and uh, they're not going to allow you to drive your car anymore. Sure, you may have paid money for your car. You may treat your car with the utmost respect, follow every law, stop at every stop sign, stop at every red light, change the oil, fill her up with gas, change your tires twice a year. You might do it all. Follow every law, every tiny little law, every minute detail of every little law. And then the government decides, nope, you can't drive a car anymore. We're going to, not only can't you drive your car anymore, we're going to take it away from you. We're going to confiscate it. Oh yeah, we'll give you a pittance. We'll, we'll give you a couple of pennies to, to, pay for, to pay for your time, to pay for your time. Yeah, we'll give you a couple of pennies. If we pay you, it's not like we're confiscating. We're buying it back. We're not confiscating it. But it's mandatory. You have to sell it to us. So so we're going to buy it back from you. We're going to offer to buy it back from you. And you do not have the choice to say no. Does that sound democratic to you? Does that sound like freedom? Does that sound like the country you want to live in? Doesn't sound like the country I want to live in. Doesn't sound like the, the free country that I thought I lived in. It's, it's, it's crazy. But it's not inconceivable. And that's the whole thing. After seeing the entire country give up their rights and stay at home for months and months and months because the government told us to stay at home and wear face diapers for months and months and months because the government told us to wear face diapers and inject experimental drugs into our bodies three, four, five times because that's what the government told us to do. After seeing that, why would the government not think that telling you that you can't have a gun wouldn't work for them? Of course it would. What would make you think it wouldn't work for them? Why wouldn't it work? You've already given up your rights everywhere else. So giving up your rights everywhere else, well, what the heck? Let's let's give up your rights here too. And you know, the next one, you know, they 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 take away your guns now. They they made you inject yourself with experimental vaccines. What's the next thing they're going to do? Well, we know what the next thing is already. Quebec government's done it already. They're legislating how you can speak, how you can conduct business. They're legislating what language your contracts have to be in. Your business contracts, they're telling you they must be in French. What next? Maybe the style of dress we wear, we won't be able to wear what we want. We'll have to wear some kind of Canadian uniform to prove that we are loyal Canadians. Maybe we'll all have to get the same haircut like they do in North Korea. Maybe, maybe we'll all have to get plastic surgery to look more like Justin Trudeau. I, I don't know. I don't know what the next step is. But I know that it's getting worse and worse as we go. And the next step is not going to be any more pleasant than the current step. Why are we allowing this? Where are the opposition parties? Where is everybody? Where is anybody to oppose this dictator? Are they all sleeping? Are we all sleeping? Is this thing on? I don't understand it. I don't understand where everybody is. Why the apathy? What happened to all the strong people who are willing to stand up for their human rights? Where are all the strong people who are willing to stand up for what is right? Why has everybody disappeared? So many questions, so few answers. If you haven't answered any of those questions, feel free to call me. one 669 1292 If you don't want to call in, you can always type into the into the chat box in whatever social media group you're watching this in. And uh, it should pop up on my screen. And of course, uh, of course you can always send me an email, but... Who emails somebody in the middle of a show? So um, just give me a call, one 877 1292 Maybe you could explain to me why we should be so accepting of these draconian laws, these these dictatorial laws that are being passed by the Canadian government, by the Quebec government, provincial governments, federal governments. Everybody feels they could trample on the rights of their citizens. And are we supposed to sit back and just accept it? Are we supposed to be good lambs being led to the slaughter? Gun violence isn't even a problem in Canada, yet the Canadian government wants to ban guns. It doesn't make sense. Do do laws have to be do laws have to be sensical? Do, do they have to make sense? I'm not I'm not even sure that they do. All I know is that that the government is trying to piggyback on the tragedy of uh, of Texas, piggyback on the on the deaths of, of of nineteen children, trying to exploit that, to push a political goal. Now, now,, when when other people have done that, and and we've seen that happen a couple of times over the last decade, I've always called them out as as, as disgusting people. Now I, I always thought that Justin Trudeau was a disgusting person. And I continue to think that Justin Trudeau is a disgusting person. Uh, I've had him on my show. Before he was prime minister, he was on my show. And even then, I didn't like the guy too much. But now I really don't like him. And it's not because I don't think he, he could have made a good prime minister. I don't. I really don't think he could have made a good prime minister. But, but he never proved himself to be a good prime minister. And now he's sinking even lower and lower and lower as he becomes a very good dictator. And the Canadian people, Where about you? Where are you? Why are the Canadian people so tired and so, so apathetic about this? The, you, you may not own a gun and you may agree that gun ownership and uh, gun possession should be limited. And I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. If you agree with that, I'm good with that. But you shouldn't be happy when laws are passed that limit the civil liberties of you and your countrymen. That should not make you happy. Sure, uh, you, may, you may hate assault rifles for whatever reason. They are doing very bad things in the United States. But that doesn't mean that in Canada that's going to happen. Why take the chance, Howie? That's what some people are going to ask me. Why take the chance? Why not just ban them and forget about them? Because every time we ban something, We're opening the door to man-nutter stuff. So today it's guns, tomorrow it's books, then it's speech, and then it's it's the people that we don't like. Look, we've already seen cancel culture destroy careers of people they don't like. It is absolutely amazing to me, mind-blowing to me, actually, that a guy like Kevin Spacey was blown out of the water his career was blown to pieces by accusations never 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 convicted of anything accusations against him which he denied nobody believed his denials his career was blown out of the water and now just as he's restarting his career suddenly new allegations arise this is what they do this is this is this is what happens you you can never get out of the mire once you're into it you can't get out of the quicksand. Once you start sinking, they keep pulling you down and pulling you down. Reminds me of the scene in The Godfather where where Michael Carleone is saying, I, I want to get out and they keep pulling me back in. It's exactly what happens when the corporate elites and the leftists and the people running the show, the people running the Great Reset have decided that Tag, you're it. It's, it's, it's very scary when you think about it. Which brings us to the United Nations. You want to talk about scary. The United Nations is a scary place. And And the reason it is a scary place is because they just announced, and I know you're not going to believe this because no, nobody nobody ever believes what happens at the United Nations. The United Nations has just named North Korea, a, a country they've been sanctioning since 2006, as their head of their nuclear proliferation, uh, anti-proliferation, um, uh, the disarmament, they call it the disarmament forum. So North Korea is now in charge of nuclear disarmament. North Korea today took over as the chair of the World Disarmament Forum, which negotiated the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty and it sparked an appeal by over 40 UN-accredited non-governmental organizations for UN Chief Antonio Gortez, the USA, Canada, UK, EU, states, and other democracies to strongly protest and for their ambassadors to walk out of the conference during the four weeks of North Korean presidency starting on May 30th. Now, the 65-nation conference on disarmament based in Geneva is considered the cornerstone of nuclear disarmament efforts. The UN back body calls itself the single multilateral disarmament negotiation forum in the international community. Having North Korean regime, this quote, having North Korean regime of Kim Jong-un preside over global weapons disarmament will, like, will be like putting a serial rapist in charge of a woman's shelter. Now, that, those were the words of Hillel Neuer, the executive director of UN Watch, which is based in Geneva. It's a non-governmental organization that monitors the United Nations, and they spearheaded the joint protest. Open quotes, this is a country that threatens to attack other UN members' states with missiles, and that commits atrocities against its own people. Torture, starvation are routine in North Korea. Political prison camps where an estimated 100,000 people are held in which is one of the world's most dire human rights situations, said Neuer. Under the UN rules, the North Korean ambassador to the forum, Mr. Han Sung, will help organize the work of the conference and assist in setting the agenda. He will exercise all functions of a presiding officer and represent the body in its relations with the states, the General Assembly, and other organs of the United Nations and with other international organizations. While the post is largely formal, North Korea holding the president's gavel is is liable to seriously undermine the image and credibility of the United Nations and will send absolutely the worst message ever, said Neuer. At a time where China, Cuba, Libya, Kazakhstan, and Venezuela are sitting on the UN Human Rights Council, this won't help. This is how much of a joke the UN has become. North Korea is the world's foremost weapons proliferator, The regime builds its own nuclear weapons in contravention of its treaty agreements. Uh, Pyongyang sells missiles and atomic know-how to other rogue regimes in blatant violation of U.S. sanctions. Yesterday, Pyongyang fired three missiles, including one that's thought to be its largest intercontinental ballistic missile, the latest in a string of banned ballistic missiles launched that, that the country has carried out this year. Here's Neuer again. If the UN seeks to be an institution with a moral compass, it cannot allow likes of North Korea to head arms control agencies and to keep electing the worst abusers to the top of its human rights body. So, so there's a couple of questions that, that come to mind here. Question number one is, why is anyone taking the United Nations seriously anymore anyway? Uh, I would have stopped taking the United Nations seriously when they appointed Saudi Arabia to the head of the women's form, uh, I think. I think doing that is an insult to women, and uh, and probably signifies that the United Nations is a, a organization that should no longer exist. Did it have a purpose? Maybe at one time, you know, after World War II, in order to get the world back on track, the United Nations, a a league, a league of nations that got together to to rebuild the world after a massive world war made sense. In 2023 does the United Nations make sense? 2022, 2023, does the United Nations make sense? Probably not. Uh it's just it's, it just seems to be a, a a clubhouse for dictators and despots to get together and and try to rule the world. So so why does it exist and why do so many countries put so much money into it? It's time to rethink organizations like the United Nations, time to rethink the value of having these organizations, the value of the United Nations. Does it really pose any value today? Or are billions of dollars spent on nothing, really nothing? It's, 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 a, it's a darn good question, and a question that's worth asking and answering. But no one's ever going to ask that question because everyone's always afraid that if the United Nations goes bye-bye and they shut it down, Then the world will descend into chaos and another world war will come. But, whoa, look around. The world is already in chaos, even with the United Nations there. Does the United Nations condemnation really hold any weight anymore, knowing that the United Nations has consistently and perpetually voted against Israel, even though there are much worse human rights violators in the world? Is is there any value to the United Nations? when we know that they're just a bully body trying to bully small countries into submission? Uh, I, don't, I don't think there is any value to the United Nations anymore. I, I think there was a value, and that value has been diluted. Diluted by billionaires, diluted by personal interest, and diluted by countries that don't care for the rules, but care to run the organization that makes the rules. I guess they figure if they run the organization that makes the rules, they don't have to follow them themselves. It makes sense. It's logical. So why, why oh why, would anybody care about the United Nations? Why, oh why, would anybody care about anything that happens in the United Nations? Because at the end of the day, the reason we care is that North Korea running the Disarmament Committee means that any deals that any country make in the world when it comes to nuclear disarmament, at least in the next month or two, have to be made through North Korea. A violator of every nuclear agreement. Kind of scary. United Nations always scared me a little bit. This is really, really scary. one 877 1292 is the number to call. one 877 1292 to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberg Show on the True Talk Radio Network. You can uh, hear the show night- nightly Monday through Thursday from, uh, from 9 to, I was going to say 7 to 9 p.m. And I don't know why I was going to say that because those used to be the hours. We used to be on from 6 to 9, then we were on from 7 to 9, and now we're on from 10 to 11. But, uh, I, you know, old habits are hard to break. I was on Radio Shalom for 18 years, 1650 AM in Montreal for 18 years. And sometimes when I'm doing the show, and I'm calling out the phone number, their phone number pops into my head before my phone number pops into my head. I said I was on daily there for 18 years, and I said that number so many times. But alas, you know, life goes on, we move on. And it's been almost a decade since I've been on Radio Shalom. And yet that number still comes to my head when I'm calling out the number. It comes to my head. It still does. It's funny how your brain works. It's really, really funny how that works. The number to call to get in on the conversation right here on the Howie Silber Show is 1-877-669-1292. That's one 669 1292 you could talk to me. We could we could talk together about uh, uh, you know this 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 craziness. The world has go- really gone to craziness. Children are being killed in schools. North Korea is running the anti the anti nuclear bomb group at the U.N. Canada is passing a gun law when they have no gun problems in Canada. It, the, the world has gone crazy. Everything's upside down. Is there a way? That is the question. Is there a way? to flip the world back to the right-side order? Is there a way to instill morality back into the world? Is there a way to instill uh, human life and human values back into the world? I- I'm not so sure there is. I mean, I hope there is, and I'm I'm really praying almost every day to, to that, that maybe one day we'll see a normal situation in the world. Maybe one day the world will go back to being semi-normal, but the chance of that happening is very slim. And, and that's that's pretty scary. It's pretty scary that the chance of that happening is very slim. So does that mean that the rest of my life and the rest of your life, we're going to be sitting around worrying about the next, uh, the next thing that the North Koreans are going to do, the next thing that the United Nations is going to do, the next thing that some whack job is going to do, is he going to walk in and shoot us all? Is this going to be our worry for the rest of our lives? I sure the heck hope not. I long for the days where we can walk down the street and not have to look behind us. I long for the days where we could send our kids to school and not have to worry about some wacko walking in and killing them. I long for the days where we could hail a cab and not have to worry about who's driving it. Are those days ever going to come back? I don't, I don't think they'll be back in my lifetime. Maybe Maybe in the next generation or two generations. But I don't think my generation is ever going to see those days. And that's a bloody shame, if you ask me. one 669 1292 1-877-669-1292. This is the Howie Silbinger Show on the True Talk Radio Network call one 669 1292 As we go into the summer months here on the Howie Silburger Show, a lot of stuff that's going to happen. We uh, we plan to cover the Just for Last Festival again this year, as we do every year. So we're looking to interview com- comedians. Uh, Sheldon will go out. Sheldon Freed will go out and uh, and cover shows. And we hope to get back to the to the regular. Uh, we, we did this for years. The regular coverage of the Just for Last Festival this year. Last couple of years over COVID, it's been very difficult to to. Um, to, to manage a festival. The festival was free online. For the last couple of years, you were able to just watch the comedy shows online. There were no live shows and there was nothing to review really because you could have just watched everything on demand. So this year they're going back to a full festival, the uh, full live festival. We've uh, we've put in our application for the for the press credentials that we usually get. And once those uh, once the festival starts, hopefully we'll start covering it. We'll interview some cool comedians. We'll uh, we'll talk to people. We'll have a little bit of fun. Sheldon will be back with his uh, with his festival reports. And the uh, the whole thing would be interesting and fun and exciting for everyone. So stay tuned for that. We're also um, we're also looking at uh at a couple of other big projects that are coming up, and I'll I'll fill you in on those as as they get closer. Um, one of the big projects we're working on is uh is we're launching a new radio station it's called True Rock Radio. It's part of the True Talk Radio brand, True Rock Radio. Um, most of you have heard over the last uh, over the last little while, I'm sure, that we acquired cafe rock radio.com. And and since we purchased cafe rock radio.com, we've not really done much with it. Um, not yet. We've been working on transitioning cafe rock radio into True Rock Radio. Uh, now, True Rock Radio will have a couple of local shows, a whole lot of local music shows, and we invite you if you do a if you if you produce music or you want to do a music show, to please get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you. True Rock Radio is looking for uh, for for people to produce shows, so you could email me howie at truetalkradio.com, and uh, and I, I will be able to uh, to direct you and to. Uh, and to, and to figure out how we could get your show on truerockradio.com. So, True Rock Radio hasn't launched yet. We, we are in the process of getting it all up and ready and shiny and new. It's all spanking new. We're polishing it and getting it ready. But it will launch shortly. truerockradio.com will launch shortly. And if you want to be part of it, coming on the ground floor, be part of True Rock Radio, just uh, email me, howie at truetalkradio.com. That's one of the exciting things we're working on. There's a whole lot of other stuff that, uh, that's still in the process. And uh, I will share it as it gets closer. But uh, that's it. We're, we're, we're working on the Just for Last Festival, on coverage of Just for Last Festival, and launching True Rock Radio. one 1292 is the number to call to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show, right here on the True Talk Radio network, truetalkradio.com. Is where you could go to get the schedule for the Howie, for well, not for the Howie Subway Show, but for for the True Talk Radio app. So we have a live stream on the True Talk Radio app. It airs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have all sorts of different shows, exciting stuff. And uh, over the weekend, we play old time radio overnight. And over the weekends, we play over old time radio. And uh, it's really an exciting station. It's a great station to listen to. If you uh, you could take us with you anywhere you want to go, download the True Talk Radio Network app from the App Store. Uh, any of the app stores, the iPhone App Store, the um, the Android App Store, it's available in all the app stores. True Talk Radio Network app, and of course, the Howie Silverberg Show is podcasted. You could download the podcast. You miss any episode, you miss any portion of the show. You could always download the podcast from your pa- favorite podcast distributor. We are listed everywhere, so feel free to uh, to download it. And one more way you could listen to the Howie Silverberg Show is by telling your um, your smart app, either Google or, or Amazon, your your smart device, that you want to hear the Howie Silberger show. And they they could get it from App if they ask you where to find it, you can always find it on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. We're aired everywhere. So if you're a Spotify um if you're a Spotify uh, subscriber, you can listen to the Howie Silberger show on Spotify. If you're a Tune in radio subscriber, you can listen on Tune in radio. If you like uh, you know, just going down and finding stuff on Mixcloud, we are there. We're on Mixcloud. If you like YouTube, you can find every show that we do uh, saved on YouTube. Plenty of places you can listen to The Howie Silver Show and catch episodes that you might have missed, so feel free to do that. The Howie Silver Show is found everywhere, and uh, I am pleased to be hosting it four days a week, Monday to Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. live right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Make now, we are live. It is, uh, it, is, um, it is Monday night. We are live, and you could call in 1 877 669 1292. That's 1 877 669 1292. So, I, I, it's, there's, there's been a complaint, and, and I, I take all feedback seriously. So, there's been a complaint that I cover too many negative stories. Person told me that howie, you know, I I listen to your show, but it always depresses me. Everything you talk about, it's so depressing. Is there any way you could talk about something happy? Is there any way you could you could tell a happy story? You could you could share something that's happy. And and I was thinking about it, and I and I kind of laughed. And I'll tell you why I laughed. It's it's actually it was actually a funny story about 15 years ago. Rabbi Shlomo Mann was the uh, was the was the co-host of the show with me while we were on we were on uh, 1650 AM, and maybe even more than 15 years ago. And um, one day I looked at him, and we got a similar complaint. We were we were averaging uh, about you know 10 calls a show, and the show was going pretty well. But everything that we ever uh, covered was was bad news, and people used to call in outraged that we were covering bad news all the time. And so um, one day I went to, I, I said to Shalom Rabbi Man, I said, hey, listen, I want to cover good news. I'm going to do a full show on good news. And he says to me, good luck. You're not going to get any calls. And we made a small bet. It was, it was a friendly bet. It wasn't for money, which is a friendly bet. We made a friendly bet that um, I would get calls. I would share happy stories. I would ask people to call in with, with happy stuff. And people would call in and, um, and 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 share good news and happy stuff and we put out the call and we got on the show I found a whole bunch of uh, of great stories great news stories that were happy and uh, we got on the show and I shared the happy news stories and nobody called in and then I asked for people to to um to Share their news. You know, you have an engagement, you have a marriage, whatever you have, call in, and we can announce it on the air. And nobody called in. And then I, and then I, um, and then I asked people to to just share something good, something good in their lives. Nobody called in. So we went to break, and I said to Rabbi Man, "Look, you know, this is not working. Nobody's calling in, and uh, I think that we we should go back to our regular format." And he laughed and he says, do as you want. So I got on uh, a minute later. We came back from break. And I said, in Israel today, there was a rocket that was fired into Strut. A whole bunch of people were killed. And uh, and this is unacceptable. I went on a little bit of rant about uh, rockets falling into falling into the, uh, the, the southern Israeli town of Strut. And the lines lit up. And I had calls for the rest of the show. So I, uh, I I looked at Rabbi Mann at the end of the show and I said, "You see, people do not like good news. I can't share good news on the radio. If I share good news, people just tune out. It's it's quite sad when you when you think about it. But that's the truth. Nobody wants to hear good news. It, it's unfortunate that we can't share good news That nobody cares." Everybody wants to be outraged. everybody wants to be upset. Everybody wants to be everybody wants to be on the edge of their seats with the news that they hear. Nobody wants to say, "Wow, that was a good news story. Thank you. And it's hard to find good news stories. It's hard to find good news stories. The reason is because nobody reads them. So newspapers don't want to run them. All right, let's see. I just looked up good news on Google because I was curious, what good news I would find. Um, so, World Bee Day. Eight projects making a difference to bees this year. Is the first thing that came up. Good news, UK's first queer museum. How coffee grows cucumbers and how to land a plane for beginners. And then there are positive environmental stories from 2022. Mental health Awareness Week, 17 ideas that are boosting well-being. Good news, hobbyist, Lord of the Rings, Golem is still on track for fall 22. And good news, Docker desktop is now here for Linux users. So it's one ad, one ad, one movie ad, mental health awareness week, environmentalists, uh, something about the queer people, and world bees. That's my good news. That's the good news that popped up. I wrote one night, I typed in good news into Google. So there you go. I mean, I'm sure if I did a deeper research and uh, a more extensive search, I could probably find some better stuff. But that was the first things that came up. And none of those really interest me all that much. So I'm not even going to bother reading those stories. You see, that's the whole thing. If the hook doesn't catch you, then you just swim away. Yes, that was a fishing reference. Not too many people make fishing references. I do sometimes. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Is the number to call to be on the air with me here on the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. All right, we're going to finish this off on a not so happy note, because once again we tried to do happy, it doesn't work, so we we'll go back to uh, the way we were. Uh, more horrific news is coming out of this uh, out of this elementary school in in Texas, Abbott Elementary School. was Abbott Elementary School? Rob Elementary School. It's more bad news. It's 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 really really sad. Um, there's another boy, a nine-year-old boy, who escaped through the window of the school during the massacre in Texas. And um, let me just share the story with you. As a gunman entered Robb Elementary School in Uteville, Texas and started firing, one student said his wounded teacher texted 911 for help. Daniel, who was nine years old, alongside his mother, Brianna, told CNN that the gunman fired several shots into his classroom after being unable to enter. The door had been locked by his teacher and the bullets fired struck the teacher as well as classmates. The deadly rampage at Robb Elementary marked at least the 30th shooting at a K-12 school, in just five months of this year. It was the deadliest school shooting since the 2012 Sandy Hook Massacre. Daniel survived by first hiding under a table next to a wall, he said, so he could see the gunman through the door's window. I could still see his face, the boy said. I could still see him staring at people in front of me. Daniel later climbed out of a broken window to escape, cutting his hand on some glass, he said, and the two people injured in his class would survive. But his cousin, Ellie Garcia, was in a different classroom. She was one of the 19 children and two teachers killed in the worst school shooting in a decade, And less than a week later, major questions remain about the timelessness of the law enforcement response and whether more children could have been saved. The Texas Department of Public Safety has laid out a timeline of Tuesday's shooting, showing that the gunman was in a classroom with students for more than an hour before he was shot and killed by a Border Patrol tactical response team. Officers arrived at the school within minutes, But the commander on scene decided to wait over an hour for reinforcements, even as children locked inside the room with the gunman called 911 and begged police for help. Video taken from outside the school during the incident obtained by ABC News includes what appears to be dispatch audio informing officers on the scene. A child is calling 911 from a classroom. Advised, we have a child on the line, the dispatch said. Child is advising that he's in a room full of victims. The video indicates police at the scene were informed at least one child remained alive inside the classrooms. CNN has not been able to independently confirm the video audio. The source of the video is unclear and it's unclear at which point in the incident the audio is heard. CNN has reached out to authorities to answer the question about this audio. Now, Texas DPS director, Steve McRaw, told reporters on Friday that there were at least nine there were at least eight nine nine one one calls from at least two separate callers from inside the school, covering a span of nearly 50 minutes. The decision made on scene to treat the incident like a barricaded suspect rather than an active shooter was wrong, he said. Also on Monday, funeral services for two of the victims are set to take place at local funeral homes. They're burying two 10-year-olds. Two 10-year-olds are being buried. Now, Alfred Garcia, whose daughter was killed in the shooting, said he was in disbelief over how much time elapsed during the shooting before it ended, and shared his frustration with authorities. Here's the quote. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that it just took too long to get in there. And you know, had they gotten there sooner and someone would have taken immediate action, we might have more of those children here today, including my daughter, he said. Law enforcement officers in Texas trained to intervene quickly, according to active shooter guidelines in the state's Commission on Law Enforcement 2020 training manual. The manual states an officer's first priority is to move in and confront the attacker. Here's the quote. As first responders who must recognize that an innocent life must be defended, it says, a first responder is unwilling to take the place of lives of the innocents above their own safety should avo- should consider another career field. Let me repeat that because it's an important thing. The manual says, A first responder unwilling to place the lives of the innocent above their own safety should consider another field. Seven officers arrived at the scene within two minutes of the shooter firing in the classroom. Three officers approached the locked classroom where gunman was, and two officers suffered graze wounds from bullets fired behind the doors. Then the officers then stationed down the hallway. Border Patrol agents, belonging to a specialized unit, arrived at the scene around 12:15, roughly 45 minutes after the gunman began shooting. The officer in charge had already made the determination the subject was barricaded in the room, according to a source familiar to the situation. The team then did not breach the classroom for at least another 30 minutes, according to the timeline provided by DPS. A 911 call placed at 12.16pm, according to DPS, from a girl in one of the classrooms told the operator eight or nine students were still alive. The delayed police response in Newville runs contrary to well-established, commonly taught active shooter protocols established after the Columbine High School shooting of 1999. Even under fire, officers are trained to go to that threat because every second counts. That's what Jonathan Winters a CNN law enforcement analyst said, What we saw here was that deadly cost of children, their lives full stop. At to request of the UVL Mayor, the U.S. Department of Justice announced it will conduct an inquiry into the circumstances surrounding the shooting. The, goal of the, review, the goals of the review is to provide an independent account of law enforcement actions and responses that day and to identify lessons learned and best practices to help first responders prepare and respond to active shooting events. Said the Department of Justice. It's expected to select someone in the next few days to lead the review. The Justice Department has traditionally relied on people outside the Justice Department with the law enforcement expertise and on ground experience with mass casualty events to conduct such reviews. It's sickening. It's sickening. There should be more protest, there should be more outrage. It's sickening. But we live in a sick world. We live in a world where people just don't care. People say, thank God it wasn't my kid, thank God it wasn't me, and they don't care. And that's the saddest commentary of them all. I'm Howie Soboger, this is the Howie Soboger Show. Thank you for joining me. I will be here again tomorrow night, right here on the True Talk Radio Network. I'll see you then.